listening to the Niagara Moon Podcast. I'm the host, Thomas Irwin. I'm also the, uh, the maestro behind Niagara Moon. You just heard a snippet of my upcoming single, Hindsight. That's going to be releasing uh, January 1st. Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, we got a very cool episode for today. We're changing it up quite a bit. Um, if you're familiar with the podcast, uh, you know that uh, myself and Dan Barracuda, another great songwriter, we, uh, we talk albums and we're, we're shifting it up. We brought in a third guest to, uh, to help us in that endeavor and just kind of chat and hang out in general. So it's, it's definitely a, a looser flow than, um, than episodes previous, but a lot of fun. I'm so glad we had him on. Uh, we got Jordan Prince. Jordan is a wonderful, uh, what you could call him a folk pop singer-songwriter, uh, originally from New Orleans, Louisiana, but for the past five years, he has been based in Germany. He's climbing up the, uh, the German folk charts. Uh, it's really interesting to get his perspective as a longtime expatriate living over there. I kind of uh, reminisced about my, my own days living in Japan. Um, sounds like it's an awesome place to be and uh, lots of interesting stories. And he also had lots of interesting insights on a one Mac DeMarco. We're talking about him today, by the way. Uh, we're talking his classic 2014 album, Salad Days. And, you know, I think it'd be safe to say if you're a Mac DeMarco fan, uh, it'd be worth your while checking out Jordan's music, jordanprincetunes.com. I stumbled upon Jordan's single, I Wish I Hadn't Got Stoned, which was both hilarious and very infectiously catchy. Uh, just a great, sunny pop single. Really enjoyed that one. It's been stuck in my head all week. Um, so, yeah, without uh, too much more preamble, here's myself, Dan, and Jordan talking about uh, Mac DeMarco, Germany, and lots of other things. As I'm getting old, Upon my shoulder, blown through life, you roll over and die. Today we have not just Mr. Dan Barracuda, but we got a one Jordan Prince joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. I think we're kind of all over the place, right? Because Thomas, you don't live, where do you live? I'm in uh, Massachusetts, Western Western Mass. How far is that from Boston, like where you are? That is... Two hours. Two hours, okay. It's pretty pretty quiet out here. A lot of colleges. Do you play a lot of, um, like, before Corona, did you play a lot of concerts in Boston? Was that, like, your main go-to city? No, not really. I, I've been kind of over, all over the place. Like I mentioned, I lived in Kyoto for the longest time. Oh, wow. I gigged a lot more out there. Um, came back to the States to finish college, and then I was in Seattle. Yeah for like a year and a half. I gigged a fair amount out there. Um, But then I gradually became more interested in, like if if I'm going to do stuff as an artist and engage with the fan base, what can I do online and kind of curate like online experiences and um, get video content together and all that. So that's still something I'm mostly focusing on. So Corona didn't throw me off too much. I I have occasionally played locally in this area, Mm -hmm. but... um, I could be doing more, but it, it hasn't been on my, my radar for a little bit. I feel that way, too. Like, I feel like so many friends and family who know people who do something creatively, they they see this big space of time and they think, oh, you just you must just be writing album after album of stuff, aren't you? <laughs> and I think, like, actually, mm-hmm. no, I'm super, <laughs> super lazy. <laughs> oh, man. And Dan, you've got so much stuff in this frame of yours i i i gotta ask you about some of these guitars <laughs> this what do you got there are those all yours or some of those i love Ian's? it man i love i love rooms like that just crowded with things to pick up and, and noodle on he has the dream set up basically all right so i'm gonna interject real quick here uh just we had a weird thing happen and dan's audio cut out for maybe like a minute or two um but Basically, what happened is uh, Dan talked about his home studio setup and uh, how he does session work from time to time as a guitarist, and hopefully that's that's enough context to uh, keep the flow going. Um, we'll take it from here. I love that, man. That's like, when, I always feel kind of honored, too, because I don't even consider myself particularly competent enough in any sort of department to be asked to be on someone else's project, but... 
when it does happen occasionally, I'm always like, of course. <laughs> sure. Dan then asks, what do you play? What do you do? Uh, guitar and singing, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's really cool. The last, like, um, my friend of mine is a composer here in Munich and he was doing the main music for this new t- television show that just came out. And he brought me in and this new job that I had been doing that I hadn't done, I think ever really like professionally, I guess, um, was just text writing, just lyric writing for the songs. So he had, he let me sing a few of them. He thought the voice fit for the certain styles. But then other styles, of course, you just needed like, you know, belt, like big, loud vocal performances from really beautiful voiced, like really interesting women and like really cool guttural loud men. And, you know, my voice just doesn't fit for those tracks. So he was like, well, I can still hire you to do the do the text if you want. And man, we made like a deal memo, like sort of a subcontract together to do that. And all of his English text goes through me. And that has been my most like fulfilling and even profitable job it's i love doing it and he's always really it's very collaborative he always says i'm not sure about this you know this syllable or this you know this texture in the mouth it might be too sharp and then we just play with the words and i love it wow that's been so fun there must not be too many other like americans in the music scene out there in munich or um are you an outlier or is there kind of a expatriate community uh well i mean there's a there's definitely a bigger expatriate community than i thought when i first moved here excuse me um it took me a while to kind of find them there's a lot of of um english people here a lot of british uh living in munich that really surprised me a lot because i thought hey why would you come here (laughs) but a lot of talented a lot of talented artists just like why wouldn't they go to berlin or whatever that's exactly it yeah I get I get asked that too, and you know it's always like. Uh, but my favorite city, I think, if I if I were to choose a city to go to, outside of Munich, it would be Hamburg. Actually, I don't know if you guys have ever been there before. No, I have family in in uh, Wiesbaden. You know Wiesbaden in mm-hmm. in Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah I, I have I have some cousins there. Oh, nice! But, uh, you uh, I've never been there. to Berlin. Yeah, I know. I want to. I really want to. Hopefully, we can all travel soon. So, wh- wh- what's up with Hamburg that you want that you want to go there? Um. Well, I think in 2017 or 18, I was um I was part of it. So all right, so in in Bavaria, they have a lot of cool like artist support programs, like communal artist support, like city funded programs. And I applied for one called Buy On, which is like Bavarian something something something. And um they they brought me in, and I had to go to this weekend long conference where they introduce like what their system does and how they can support you as an artist and like you're representing Germany and they helped me out with a few things they had helped add a few extra you know a few hundred euros to like a concert or to some travel like we we played in Czech Republic and had to drive and they they helped like the um, the car rental costs and the hotel costs if the if the venue can't like pay more they'll still get yeah. you there because you're kind of representing them and there was like i guess yeah two and a half three years ago there was a festival in hamburg it's a it's a pretty big one and it's really cool it's called reeperbahn and r-e-e-p-e-r-b-a-h-n and it's actually like the name of the main street there is reeperbahn oh reeperbahn it's such a yeah it has such a cool branding and marketing and it's super fresh and like hip and they have i mean the the like the main artist that year was uh Noel Gallagher. Oh, the, he's, oh, he's wow. the one with the flying birds, right? Yeah, the slightly more down to earth of the Oasis Brothers. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, is Li- is Liam the crazy guy? Yeah, Li- Liam is the main singer. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Noel played there. He was like the main event, and what they the cool thing about it is it's a huge um, networking event. It's a it's an event where like labels go, managers go, agencies go, uh, promotional companies go, press. And I had a different agent at the time. And what we did was we had two or three other bands that were also booked through this Bavarian organization. And we all went together in like a huge van and stayed at this uh, hotel together. So it was a really cool, like a big party feeling. And man, I was there. So I we played our, our show. Like we, we, we played this like buy on stage where we all like played in this one room representing the, the place. Um, but you had the choice because you had these wristbands to stay for the whole weekend. So some of the guys had to go back. They, you know, everyone has jobs at restaurants or cafes or whatever. 
And I had requested off the whole thing. So some of the guys went back and I stayed with my agent and another friend. And dude, I just spent the lat like the next two days just meeting musicians and drinking and rolling around the city and I saw one of my wow. favorite new artists, Marika Hackman. I saw oh, her kind I've of by of chance. Wow. Dude, such a great performer live. The band was so much fun. It was kind of like accident that I saw her. And and the people, like the people were really friendly, really open, really social. The the like the every single state in Germany has a different like beer culture. Yeah. Like a Oh, cool. Like, you know, this one is kind of very very native to Munich and to this region. And up there, they have really good beer and um, good. Yeah. Good. It's on the it's on the harbor, so they have great fresh fish and seafood. And I loved it. I loved it. Wow! wow. And the Beatles are known for being there, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they in the center um, on like this L shaped corner near some venues. <laughs> really? There's like um, a statue of each of the each of the Beatles, and then they even have that fifth Beatle in the back. They have like this mystery fifth Beatle statue. Uh, <laughs> Does it look like George Martin or like Pete Best? Or <laughs> I, I wonder. I, I I couldn't really. It, he wasn't holding an instrument, so I wonder if it was George Martin. I thought maybe. Mm. I'm not sure. It was very like. Hmm. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. It was super cool. It was super cool. And Dan, are you like? How was it? I mean, it must be like such a fruitful. A city to live in for music and culture and everything, right? Well, the thing is that I I I moved here this I moved here January first of this yeah. year. So this is the worst year ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I had like like the first two months where like we were like go 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 go. We busked a lot. We we made some really good connections to like set ourselves up for the summer and everything. And and then boom, Corona happened. Oh man, how are you? How are you so affording it, uh, your place, man? Well, we got really lucky with the price of this place. Okay. And, um, you know, we, we've been able to make money during it. You know, I do a lot of freelance mixing for people. And actually, the first, like, two or three months of COVID, we, uh, Ian and I, I live with my music partner and, and his girlfriend, and we, um, we did live streaming, like, every day. And we did, like, a happy hour. And we just accepted donations. And, you know... I, I used to work in an enrichment center for children. Mm -hmm. So like all their all the kids' parents that like used to love us, like they would tune in and they would like throw us money. And like the first two or three months were awesome. And we started doing like kids live streaming. And then that kind of ended in the summer. So we just had to find other ways of making money remotely. Okay. It's lucky too. I think when you're a musician who has uh, like an understanding of certain, you know, sound quality, sound software, you know, mixing or engineering or, you know, like you you look like you can definitely um, do session playing from home. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. That's the best. Do it all from home. Um, yeah. Well, we're talking about one of the masters of home recording today, a one Mac DeMarco. Right. Mac. Oh, Jazz Jazz Studios. Jazz Jazz Studios <laughs> in Brooklyn. Is that what it is? <laughs> That's what he called it. In Brooklyn? In, well, in his yeah. bedroom, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the every this whole album was recorded uh in his apartment it's crazy whole thing and with him playing all the parts maybe you guys or maybe you dan i'm not really sure i'm i'm really not familiar with um what certain kinds of tape mm. are used for recording and what they're called and the the lengths and the depths and stuff but do you know what kind of tape perhaps that mac recorded this record on uh i'm not really he a tape guy dan tape in his bedroom yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a tape guy yeah, either. I, okay, I just didn't know if you guys nerded out and stuff like that. Um, no, I saw a video of him like showing it off. I forget what the name of the, but he has like a mm -hmm. you know a, a machine for it, obviously, and runs everything through it. And he's like, "This is how you get away from that stale Ableton sound." You know, put a little life in there with some some some. Tape I saw treatment. that video. Yeah. yeah, that must have been the video that he. They must have done this mini doc on him just as another one came out. Yeah. The record just after Salad Days. Oh, yeah, where he's just being a super goofball. <laughs> yeah. It really stayed in my head. You know, he was like, he just he was smoking a cigarette, of course, in this bedroom and just smacked this tape machine on the top and was like, was like this is the shit, kids. Get away from that fucking Ableton bullshit or whatever. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool, man. I didn't know that. So he recorded the tape in his, in his bedroom? Wow. Yeah, I mean it's a decent. I guess it looks a bit like your space. Like it has a lot of depth to it, and and he, he plays all the instruments on yep, this album on every album. I'm pretty sure he plays everything on Salad Days. Yeah. So he's like a Kevin Parker kind of just on every album. Do, does it all DIY? Yeah, uh, Kevin Parker in that he he records everything himself, and then just has a band with him to uh, to play live, and the songs change when you do that. But 
Wow. Yeah, he is um, like a lazy Kevin Parker. <laughs> the songs totally capture a vibe. You're totally in like the Mac DeMarco world. And you can also tell like he rec- he records really quickly. Like he just throws it out there. Yeah, I think the most oh, the most interesting th- note that I wrote down that I made sure not to forget to say is that when you go back through Salad Days, you know, it's it's a really it's a really untraditional um it's untraditional songwriting structure because you expect from from an artist like that who's sort of trying to keep a a solid foot in the door of like modern indie pop from that era like this came out 2014 and you expect an artist like that to have a pretty clear structure of you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge whatever you know like having like these b sections and i don't think Maybe some of them do, but I couldn't remember a single song on this record that has a distinguished B section other than like maybe the ending of Brother. But you know, Salad first Days course. is just first chorus, yeah. first chorus, end. Yeah. Blue Boy, Let first chorus, first yeah. chorus, yeah. end. These are short. Songs. Let her go. Let her go. You know, first chorus. It's the same same concept. I think that's a really interesting choice because whenever I think about writing songs, I always almost sort of have it built in, like yeah. I'm I'm kind of a a child of Jeff Tweedy's philosophy with songwriting, and I really think like, man, how can this not have a B section and still be so wildly popular or or so wildly welcome? His music you know, making makes like music feel yeah. easy to make. Yeah, <laughs> it like yeah. sounds like wow, this is like I guess this is actually pretty easy. <laughs> it's just great. It's so special that that's like that is possible. Actually, it just has to be unique. And hit, this was wildly unique. I think at the time. Yeah, and you can hear it in his voice too. It's so like relaxed right. and and easy. His whole thing is simplicity. That's like his his mantra. Yeah, I mean it's mm-hmm. he does so very cool. kind of cool weird things with uh, guitar yeah. chords a lot of the time. The melodies certainly kind of bend and twist in interesting ways, but it's, it's, it's like uh, everything about it is very streamlined. You know, the I'm gonna go this far with my like lyrical ideas. You know, I'm I'm not doing anything super strange here. Like keeping it to a very consistent theme. I'm gonna have these instruments that play this way, and it's like always this kind of sound. Like, don't overthink oh, it. Yeah. Is, is a big thing with him. It's like no bullshit. That's kind of his mantra. Yeah, it's his whole vibe is uh, sit down, relax, and hang out, and a song will happen. Like that's how he makes it feel. It's interesting too, man. Like you know, I, I've I've just when this record came yeah. out, I absolutely obsessed over it. I was probably two beers away from getting wow. some sort of tattoo of it. To be honest. <laughs> oh boy. I just obsessed. I don't know. Like I'm two beers away. Yeah. <laughs> I was such a like. Um, I think. With songwriting and with with uh, like modern pop artists, uh, and I use pop pretty broadly there, but like just you know singer songwriter yeah. rock or whatever. That's that's my main interest. But yeah, um, with artists like like Mac DeMarco, that just fed so perfectly into the mindset that I was in at that time. It was like my my last year at my university. I was going through like a hardship with the next girl with the next girlfriend and and. I I remember the first time that I ever heard this record, um, a buddy of mine who played bass in my band back in New Orleans, he was really obsessed with Mac's second album, too. And he showed me Ode, Ode to mm. Viceroy for the first like time. That one. And it's a great record. It's it's so cool. And uh, you can tell that this record is definitely, like he just jumped in a little further. It's just a little bit more hip. And, you know, like Blue Boy's bass lines and the guitar riffs, they're just a little bit more like... Yeah. You know, yeah. he, he knew what he was doing. And I remember the first time I heard it, we were sitting in, in my bass player's uh, SUV. It was our whole band. And it was just after I got out of, out of my last class at the school. And New Orleans sits around a lot of water. So we went to just right on the edge of the university, there's uh, Lake Pontchartrain. And we just parked uh, right in right on the lake view. The sun was maybe just about to start going down. It was kind of orangey. And we just got absolutely ripped on weed. <laughs> Perfect. And and played this record like from start to finish. And I remember thinking like I have not felt something about music as in a long time as much as I do about this record. Like 
they blue wow. boy is still such a strongly like the arrangements are in the the beat and the crispy drums that's yeah. a great baseline oh. yeah it's so great you know he's a master of just little pleasant guitar riffs chamber of reflection stands out to me it, it, it's his like most played song it's, wow, it's just like, such a nice song man that was for me that was a really like Alone unexpected again. yeah it was like unexpected major hit, you know? I, I did not expect that that would be the one that yeah. is used, like it's chopped up and slowed down and remixed, and it's like popular on TikTok as well. Is like it really? I just didn't expect. It's so crazy. that For me, I never, like, that's a great song. There's nothing on the song. But my ear was instantly on, like, Let Her Go and Salad Days. I was like, oh, this is fucking, like, repeat, 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 repeat. Salad Days is catchy. Man, it's so, so great. So catchy. It starts right away. Now, didn't he have crazy music videos? They're pretty edgy. Like pieces of me is is rough. Pieces of me. He's the giving video? birth to a cactus and or a cabbage in a bathtub. <laughs> what song was that for? <laughs> that one is a little gross. What, what song was that? I've seen that music video. What what, what song was that for? Oh, pa- uh, passing out pieces. Passing out pieces. Oh, is that what it's okay? Passing out pieces of me. Oh yeah, man, yeah, yeah. passing out pieces is great because I remember thinking. Um, are you guys familiar with the Beatles song "Rocky Raccoon"? Yeah, of course. Yes. Oh, who are you talking I remember to thinking, here? Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you never know who hates Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I was, I was thinking when I first heard this, how crazy similar his hook in that chorus is to uh, like and Rocky Raccoon, like what Mom don't know has taken his toll on plagiarism exposed. Oh, I was like. <laughs> it's like he's still from the greats and like yeah. salad days is uh really similar to this kink song as well and i thought man he's doing it right so mac demarco like super singular figure in indie rock right like he just seems to be like a poster boy for he just he creates this image of you can be a slob and make really tender nice music at the same time yeah yeah mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he created this ideal in many, like, uh, other musicians' minds of, like, the way to do it. Do you think um, his success or, like, his skyrocketed success post-Salad Days is attributed to um, his, I want I want to use this word in a respectful way yeah. to him, but, like, his brand of this slobbiness you mentioned? Like, his hazy, lazy stoner thing? It's everything together. Like, it's the synergy of it all. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think it's attributed to, to his, his brand? Or how maybe lucky it was that the record hit the hit the zeitgeist at the moment that it did, or do you think it's all of that like lucky combination brand music sounding great? Like, you know, would you say one is more than the other? I don't think you can say one is more than the other um, because his music is just solidly very pleasant and like the right amount of kind of yeah fresh and innovative but still comfortable and familiar. Like he, he's walking that line brilliantly. He's an excellent songwriter. He has the whole package with with the actual content of his music, and then mm-hmm. we're we're in the 2010s. We're in the age of Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. He knew exactly how to present his vibe in a way that was true to himself, and just really fun to glom onto. Like he's he's giving you a very very intriguing character. You know, you could you could see him in a movie. Yes. You could see his face on a billboard. Like he, there's something strangely charismatic about his whole persona and then the rest of it is he he did have some luck and and all that you know some some x factor but his lazy persona belies how hard of a worker he is the amount of touring he does and press appearances and he gave himself 150 percent into the music world in a way you don't see that with many indie rock people like he, he he went as far as you can go and in in this album salad days it's like he's kind of almost lamenting that like i'm so exhausted i'm, I'm burnt out i'm just bummed like i've reached this place but but at what cost right. kind of feel which i mean just further uh makes the music uh, feel intriguing so what did he do to like get known is he like what was the luck like did, so you said he toured a lot and he like did he make videos on youtube and like what was it that kind of like you know, kind of put him on, I guess. Like what made him, what made his album, was it just touring? Like endlessly touring? 
Well, first he had he had like freaking out the neighborhood and Ode to Viceroy. Yeah, these, these were kind of these like cult indie hits that were cir- circulating. I think around some online magazines. Okay. And then yeah, and then like like Thomas said, he toured like a monster. I mean, he when he he just released his latest record, Here Comes the Cowboy, and and I remember hearing him talk about how he is just really tired. And I don't know if you guys know this um, podcast called Talk House. Probably you do. And it's a great podcast where they these two guys they orchestrate um, two artists to talk to each other about their process and and whatever. Oh, cool! And uh, Mac DeMarco's been on there twice. The first time he talks with Neil Flynn from Crowded House, mm. and that's a really cool um, episode because later, like just a month ago, Crowded House released their new single, and Mac DeMarco acts in the video. <laughs> wow! There you go. Super unexpected. It's a great track too. It's uh, whatever you want by Crowded House. It's an awesome song. Cool. Um, and then he was on there again recently, just a, maybe last week or something, with this really young, really brand new artist I had never heard of. I even forgot his name. I think he's in. I think he only has like one EP or something out, but he just is one of those young cats who like blew up because of social media. And Mac is totally opposite. Like. I think he and I are only like three three weeks apart in age, and he's you know more of this like tape recording. He doesn't have Instagram, um, sort of like self self built sort of old school machine. And when you hear like how much touring and how much time he put into making his like building his reputation between his album two and Cowboy. It's kind of overwhelming. It's actually kind of scary to think like, is that what it takes for artists like that to to get to get their bread? You know. Wow. And he was saying now now to he get was to saying, that level, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, th- yeah, exactly. And he's um, especially with no social media, like what an interesting path to be able yeah. to take. And he's um, and he's saying now that uh, that it's quarantine and he literally can't do anything. He keeps seeing concerts for next year, maybe like in in May and stuff being pushed again further and he just keeps going you know what i'm just gonna work with my buddy on some cars and good for I think him. he's learning how to like he's doing some crafts he's like you know what i just i'm feeling better i'm not drinking yeah you know? it's it's interesting to see that and i think like thomas was saying it's just this it was this perfect man i'm trying to think of other artists that this was so clear clearly visualized as well but with mac demarco it really seems like the most pinpoint perfect timing for an album drop for his style that I could imagine. Like I think 2014 sounded, maybe it was kind of a muddy indie world at that time. I mean, who were the, and the big heads? I think Fleet Foxes had broken up. Oh. Uh, so had, yeah. They went on you know, hiatus. Yeah. By then. Hi- right. And then, you know, before father John Misty sort of swept the world over in like yeah. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you had, I don't know. Vampire weekend was probably looking kind of boring to people at that time too. So who was, you know, who was trying to forefront yeah. this, this game and i think he just swooped in with this really rich simple easy fucking college, college chill rock chill that just rock, yeah. it was like bing. yeah that's exactly what it is it's it's so self-aware in what it's trying to do yeah. which is like put this on and have a good time with your buddies yeah mm-hmm. he just delivers that comfortability comfort comfortability <laughs> like so so directly and intentionally like we're we're here to have a good time. Like that that's how he talks. He just acts like a chill dude you meet at a party. Mm-hmm. And the music is it's it's fun and it's also kind of background music sometimes. Like yeah. it just creates a vibe and stays there. Absolutely agree. Are all his albums like that? Uh, that's a good question. Kind of. Maybe not uh, as not as precisely, maybe. I think the the one after the is is this old dog the one that comes after? There was this one, another one, and then this old dog. Another one. This old dog, I think, is my favorite of his because it does start to break that mold a little bit, and the instrumentation has a little more variety. Dude, and yeah. uh, he's singing about like deeper, kind of harder hitting subjects. I think so. I think that one has uh, has the most for me, and I really do like another one as well. Yeah, this old dog is a masterpiece. It's and it's it's really it's like a completely yeah. different artist because when you think about um, two and salad days and even uh, a few songs on another one you kind yeah. of feel like you've placed mac demarco in your mind and you say okay he's gonna have some some like phasery flangery guitars 
He's going to have these crispy, you know, full volume tape recorded drum yeah. sounds. He's going to have this like boppy rolling bass and it's going to have his his whole vibe of like who cares it's college, let's just get high. Right. But then when he gets to this old dog like it's so personal and it's mostly acoustic and it's really low and like really minimal minimal it's got some drum machine stuff too yeah and it's all about his dad like hating his dad but loving him and feeling distanced from him and like judging him and it's really like a completely different artist it's like he hit some thing some plateau and was like i need to if i want to stay maybe he didn't have the awareness to say that he wanted to stay relevant maybe he didn't care and that kept him relevant regardless yeah but he just made something Mm. so different from what they expected and upon first listen i thought Okay, there's one or two songs like I think "Baby You're Out" or something where I thought, I'm not. Baby, you're out. Yeah, that's more back to basic smack. Yeah, and I thought, okay, I can I can maybe start here and then like let it spread back, but eventually it just became like, and it's a perfect record. It's really great. It's just it's just very different. The acoustic guitar chords from my old man on like it's. uh, What what are they? Did you look them up? It's a very special, sad kind of magic. So he does like crazy chords. I wouldn't call them crazy. They're simple but deep. Yeah, for this old man, like it sounds, it sounds in my head. I mean, maybe it's a different chord, but you know when you're when you're playing just a standard D on the guitar and you drop that um, D string like to drop D, so you have this really full, clean major D. Yeah, it kind of sounds to me like he's holding that chord but playing around with the undertone bass strings, like maybe with the C to like the B, you know, yeah. C flat or whatever. Yeah, kind of sounds like he's just rolling, but the the bottom shiny string sounds, I think, is the same chord the whole song. Oh wow! It sounds like it, but maybe I'm wrong. Did did you did you try and cover it, or did you look into it, Thomas? I don't play guitar. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I I learned another one for piano. You know, I, I like his keyboard stuff, maybe even more than his guitar stuff, of course. Uh, Actually, that's interesting. As a keyboardist, what? How do you feel about his strengths with guitar versus keys? Because I, as a listener, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I just know how he is on guitar, which is right. Cool. Um, he strikes me as a very, very gifted and technically gifted guitar player, and a perfectly like fine average keyboardist. But mm-hmm. I'm not listening to Mac DeMarco for like technical brilliance. Yeah. I want, I, yeah. I want the vibe <laughs> and I want the songs, and I think. You know, That's he's right. able to play around with tone in a deeper way when it's like keyboards and synths, because the whole thing with that is adjusting the parameters. It's such a vibe. I really <laughs> like the taste he has with this and this, the sounds he chooses to get. And he plays just well enough to give you a song, and that's all I need. So, uh, And the thing, yeah, all the magic is just in where he, you know, whether he's great at this instrument or okay at this one, it's still just about which order of the chords he chooses and the speed and yeah. that vibe, you know? Did you guys ever get to see him live? No. I have seen like almost no major artists live. I just I don't end up getting out to shows very ah! much, but yeah. <laughs> it must be intense, right? It's a big party. Yeah, what's it like when he's live? Does he talk a lot to the audience? Like how big is his band? Takes his shirt off, dives into the crowd, kind of <laughs> Does stuff. he do that? Like He's excellent, man. Um I'd say that the circumstances Oh, I saw him twice actually. I saw him one in New Orleans and once in Munich, and they were very different shows because by the time he got to Munich, I mean, he was like an international success. Yeah. You know, it was after this old dog came out and he was just touring, well, the entire world, honestly. And wow. um, in in New Orleans, there's a very big university there that I didn't go to. It's mostly for doctors and lawyers, and it's called Tulane. And Tulane puts on lots of very very cool events for free for students wow um just if you're a student in general not from that university and you know they would host like big rocky horror picture show events they had Mm. um i don't know if you guys are really into parks and recreation but they had like a stand-up special with nick offerman for free oh wow show up on time wow really special events and they had uh mac demarco and i remember we showed up it was um late afternoon early evening show maybe you're like 5.30 or 6, like pretty early, um, for free on this big quad area. It was like, uh, I think they, I think the university built like a temporary stage for him, like kind of standard height, but in this field sort of. So it was kind of funny. Everyone was either sitting on the grass or standing up. Um, you couldn't have alcohol on campus, but it really didn't matter, man. He just brought this whole vibe with him. And I would say 
he had a lot of great energy on that first show. He plays with a small band, just him, a bass player, lead guitar, drums. Nice. That's it. And he'll switch over keys, put the guitar on his back, like very simple setup. Um, there were some issues with the mix at first, like, but that wasn't his fault. It's because try and be like uh, a live mixer, trying to get salad day sound the way it does on the record. It, was, <laughs> wow. it must be so hard. The yeah. bass is here and the lead guitar is super big as well. So, um, But the funny thing was at that New Orleans show, this was just as salad days came out. So I was like high on this. You know, I was wow. like, ah, I like I see him. Yeah, this is your guy. <laughs> he played the whole, yeah. they played the whole album. He played the whole album almost in, almost completely in order. He only changed up a little bit for like freaking out the neighborhood. He did Viceroy. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the funniest, I will never forget this part, but this really kind of sums up his personality. Um, the song, the last song had ended. I forgot which one it was, but he was like saying thank you. And they were, I mean, they were constantly, just for the record, cracking beers and smoking cigarettes the entire show. <laughs> Even and though alcohol got- wasn't allowed? On campus? Oh, yeah. They brought the, They were allowed, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, like, sitting with, you know, dangling his feet off the stage, cracking beers. He signed, like, he signed something for me, but I, I forgot. Uh, I think my mom has it now back in, in Tennessee. But um, I remember the last song he finished, and they were all saying thank you. And then uh, we were like, encore, encore. And most of the band had already walked off. And I think his drummer's name was Joe. But I remember him, like, kind of strumming around a bit on the guitar. And then he said... All right, Joe, get back on the cans. <laughs> and he just kind of like jogged back up to the stage. Oh, my God. It was great. It was great. And yeah, and then, I don't know, a few years later in Munich, maybe 2016 or 2017, um, I saw him in this huge venue in Munich. Maybe maybe like between three and 5,000 people, something like that. Mm. Which for Munich is crazy because you expect that in Berlin, which is more international, more right, cultured, right. like modern music culture i guess but he pulled it off in munich and i was really blown away super fun and he did this crazy thing like he will take songs that you you know by heart like for example um this old dog or this old man or uh one of those i think is very similar titles, my old but, man this old dog yeah yeah my old my man, old man old yeah dog. so like super you know very low-key very like somber songs and i think he did the same thing on a tour in France, I think I saw a live video, but he um, completely replaces the music as you expect it. And I believe he did it in this like samba rhythm mu- music what? style. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he nailed it. It was super cheesy. Everyone was like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, we were so surprised and kind of at first i thought i was going to be kind of angry i was like i I wanted to hear this uh well you know what Uh, it's mac you know (laughs) you're like it's mac and he's having a good time he's laughing you know he's having a good time and did he say anything after that like yeah i gotcha (laughs) i think he was just i think it was i think it was funnier to him that he just never bring it up yeah (laughs) yeah well that's his whole thing is he's just a relentless goofball and then he's also being super emotionally vulnerable at the same time. That's his MO. Like, Do you wow. guys have a favorite artist that you can compare these types of personalities to? Or are you guys more into like... I know some people are really only into troubled artists. They believe that the music cannot be good unless the artist is pained. Uh, and some people are really like me, really into Mac, who says like, look, this guy fucking, he just chills out, plays good music. That's it. And you know? Yeah, I mean, if for me it's always going to be music first and then, all right, maybe the artist happens to yeah. be Elliot Smith and super <clears throat> depressed, or maybe they're happy go lucky waltz through life. Like other example, I can't think of right now, but I don't really like that. That's very much secondary to me. It's like, what yeah, are they doing yeah. here with music? And then if there's an interesting story, that's cool, but that's not gonna make it or break it for me. Like I'll, I'll go with whatever way that happens. Kind of, I don't know how it After, is for Dan. Well, would you say Max music is like sad? Would you say it's like mainly sad or is it? He sings about sad things. Like even uh, cooking up something good. That's about his dad making meth in the basement or whatever, right? Like crazy. <laughs> like his, is his uh, music ever funny? Because he's funny. It's always, totally. I mean, he's always funny, but it's like funny totally. and sad at the same time. He's, he's like uh, 
a comedian. I don't know. Yeah. I think, like, isn't the first line in Salad Days, like, uh, as I'm Some getting, getting older, chip upon my shoulder, shoulder, rolling through life till roll over and die. Yeah, he's, he's singing about how he feels like he's wasting his youth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Blue Boy, uh, stop being an angsty teenager. I was going to say, does he remind you guys, like, lyrically only, does he remind you guys of John Prine at all? I don't know John Prine, unfortunately. Oh, man. I bet he's an influence, though. Oh, no. <laughs> he's, he's like an icon, man. He, he, just, he just died this year from corona. He was like uh, I heard about that, maybe yeah. like 80 or something. He was doing like these amazing projects, amazing projects with Kurt Vile. Oh. And, uh, and Kurt Vile's actually touring John Prine's songs right now. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to look at him. But John Prine's like famous for his extremely like like funny but observational and like tongue in cheek some it's just amazing lyrics like he tells these stories and you're laughing cuz you're like I can totally picture that but maybe it has like a sad tone and that yeah. kind of reminds me of that you know it's like kind of it's a little obvious but in a way that you don't expect so you're yeah. you're laughing at yourself yeah. but then you get the story and you're like oh man this great yeah yeah wow 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 such a cool artist i really love that did you so would you guys say that your favorite your favorite track from Salad Days is uh Chamber of Reflection? I think like mine is I'd mine be... is probably uh passing out pieces. Oh that makes sense, yeah. I would have guessed maybe Let My Baby Stay, since you were such a this old dog fan. Oh uh, yeah, I mean they're they're all good. They were there's not like yeah, a it is such a, a vibe. Track on it is here. such a vibe of an album. It really is. Did you guys what did you remember the first experience you had when you got to the very end of this record when Johnny's Odyssey has like a silent pause? And then he joins the last him, note? And then he, I love that. I like smiles. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> hey guys, this is Matt. Thanks a lot for listening. Yeah. Bye bye. Yeah. That wasn't quite <laughs> as striking to me as uh when on another one he just tells you where he lives and does says, he? Come over to my that. house. Are you serious? At the end of an, of an album, he does that? Of a, yeah, of a, another one, like a mini album. He just lists his whole freaking address in Queens. Come over, I'll make you a cup of coffee. And then for the next six months of his life is just constantly disrupted by crazy fans coming over to his house. Dude, what is he thinking? Oh, my God. How did his girlfriend okay that? I can't. Oh, oh that's right. He's been in a relationship for a long time, right? Yeah, I, I think they're still together, right? I mean, that's... I think so, yeah. How, yeah, hopefully. That's crazy. Man, I remember like, yeah, like I said earlier, I think Let Her Go was this perfect, just perfect anthem for me. I was going through a breakup yeah. and it just it just really, I don't know, it almost sounds like too cheesy, like a movie or something, but it just got you... I bet. I bet it was yeah. powerful. Let Her Go, like a song like... Yeah, man. If you can't love her right, yeah. just let her go. And I was like, oh, I can't love her right. Uh, <laughs> you know? Wow. It was so great. Some I love that song. Mac Nuggets of Wisdom. Mac Nuggets. Oh, dude, Mac that's Nuggets. Good. <laughs> that's good. So, who does he talk about like being a big influence? Does he does he say like the Kinks or the Beatles? Like or what? Like who does he like? Does he love Kevin Parker because of his? He DF? loves that old like seventies AM radio pop, and then he loves to just turn it into like a hipstery, you know, like yeah sort of sloppy mess recording wise but he he comes from that old like uh rock pop era right that's that's got to be a lot of his influences his guitar playing sounds like jerry garcia yeah that's true oh yeah that's true uh i was trying to think about because uh, i watched his two um kexps and i i was thinking that that uh, one of the hosts had asked him about his influences but i, I couldn't remember for the life of me but i, I don't know because it does sound like such an old, like an old school rock sound, but he puts this little, you know, little hot sauce on it. I'll tell, I'll tell you what it is. I, I blanked out for a second. He loves uh, this Japanese guy called Haruomi Hosono, going so oh, really? far as to mimic. Uh, so there's an album called Hosono House, and he kind of mimics that album artwork for his own album too. He's big into like weird, obscure Japanese '70s music, like me. I can't believe I, I didn't harp on this sooner. So. Doesn't he sing a song in Japanese? Like, he does. I think a, a single before this old dog or after he, maybe? He does, yeah. Or that might have been something on um, Here Comes the Cowboy maybe. Here Comes the Cowboy ends with the sounds of like like the Tokyo yeah. subway. Uh, he's played uh, or he's made an appearance oh. in a Haruomi Hosono concert that happened in LA I think like a year or two ago. 
he's he's this devotee of like this weird obscure um 70s like pop and electronic too like weird uh, obscure 70s um synth pop like he that's a, a sample he has in the song chamber of reflection mm. there was even like a co-writing credit for that uh which i love so he's like a yellow magic orchestra guy um if you listen to the uh hosono album uh i think it's called hot iso or pot iso i forget which but like totally you're going to hear a lot of where this guy's sound comes from like the the groove of the bass and the the way the synths are used like that's a huge touchstone for him actually so i i always geek out on that can you spell the haraiso hara is it haraiso or paraiso it's uh i think it's haraiso h a r a i s o hosono if you look up hosono anything by him is going to oh paraiso ah it's actually it's yeah. transliterated both uh, ways okay. um that's an excellent okay, album, okay. and that's got a lot of the Mac vibe in it, actually, now that I think of it. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, I was I was just thinking, I was talking to a friend of mine at this radio station in Munich a few days ago about, yeah. um, you know, everyone just got these 2020 Spotify wrap-ups. Yeah. And I had realized that this was the first year, so every year I think a lot of people do this, but I make a playlist, you know, for that year for myself. Yeah. And I say, you know, then every time I hear a cool song or a Shazam a song, I, if I really like it or it means something to me, then I'll add it. Like I had 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And this was the first year that yeah. I had the fewest songs I had ever discovered since I started doing this like five or six years ago. And I was, I was talking to my friend at the station about it and I couldn't think about why. And I don't know if that comes down to maybe not having seen concerts, which make me think you know, either about the band I'm watching or about another band that I heard of or something, but there's so many, it was so few songs. Like usually, I don't know. I find like, I don't know, 150 or something for the year that I'm like, this is great. I don't know some of these guys or, Hey, this is some old like blue oyster cult song that I never heard back in the day. But then this year I had like 60 or something. And some of them were from like the same album. Like I had one friend, Dent May, release a record and i there was two of his pop tracks i really really dug and i added them and then another artist i'm a humongous fan of is andy shelf he released i love andy shelf amazing artist yeah. amazing artist and he i don't know like fire truck and um, um oh yeah that's first, a great one the first track on the new record uh oh yeah Diner, what's it called the... isn't it the neon skyline neon skyline that's right yeah yeah it's so i added a couple of those but man i just didn't discover nearly as much music this year as I did previously. Did you guys experience that too? Uh, Dan, you want to answer that one first? <laughs> you discovered all the music we talked about on this show. Yeah. So I, the most of the music I discovered is through Thomas, like this year, just doing the podcast. Like it's been awesome. Like of Montreal. I mean, oh, like listening yeah. to all of T for the Tiller, you know, a lot of like old 70s, 60s stuff we've done as well. And Bjork that stands Bjork. out. Oh, dude. Father John Misty, Father John Misty. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of contemporary music like at all, so that's why this podcast is great. Like, it just really gets me. <laughs> Michael Be- Kiwanuka. Before I had him on, he's he's just all Beatles and Tool. I was all Beatles and Tool. <laughs> I was gonna ask, like, what's your main go-to? Yeah, so uh, the, my foundation is in like hard rock and and metal. Um, I was into like Met- Metallica and Iron Maiden when I started playing guitar and mm-hmm. Ozzy. That's cool. And it's great because it made me be technical like from yes, the get-go. Dude. And nice. then, um, and then, um college hit and then my friend like re yeah. like made me rediscover the beatles and uh, simon and garfunkel and beach boys and everything and then uh, and then i just fell in love with classic rock and that helped a lot with mm. songwriting so now i just like i like love my roots of hard rock and metal but i also love like vintage like you know pink floyd and and beatles and led zeppelin and it's like i just love old music so much and i don't like listen to contemporary stuff that much yeah we'll we'll work on that mm-hmm. <laughs> there's yeah. some good stuff out there <laughs> We had like we we almost had the same path, but it was just kind of flipped. Like when I was a little boy, my my dad was really into Crosby, Stills and Nash, yeah. the Hollies, the Turtles, the Kinks, the Beatles. Uh, so I started off with you know Paul Simon was like his Paul favorite Simon. artist. So when I was really young, I remember like like back when I was like six or seven, hearing you know like Graceland and stuff, and just being completely yeah. in love with Simon and Garfunkel, like Most Peculiar Man, and songs like this and. 
I, I finally like a little bit older, maybe like 12, I got really, really into classic rock. Then I was like, Oh my God, yeah. Led Zeppelin. I was really into, uh, yeah, like a little more metal, yep. like black Sabbath. And, um, I was real. I, I had only black t-shirts. Yeah. It was only, <laughs> it was only, I had Led Zeppelin, black Sabbath. I had just a special, like just an Aussie shirt. Um, of course in that whole mix too, it was like pink Floyd was a big thing for me when I was like 13, 14. And then, and then when I was like 16, then I was like, Oh, I really like yeah, Pantera. I love Pantera. <laughs> and Metallica, oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I, that was my last touch. And then finally, when I was like 17, um, that was when every, like, that's when I realized that my main thing is going to be this sort of like modern indie thing, like MGMT, mm. Vampire Weekend, Fleet Foxes, that just, you know, Elliot Smith yep. this just hit me and I was like, oh my God, I've never felt this before. Wow. You know? And that just, that just stayed, cool. you know. That's interesting because your, your, uh, your own music, Jordan, is so kind of sunny and poppy. It, it has that indie aesthetic, but I feel like now that you're describing your, your roots or whatever, I, I, de- I hear the Paul Simon I hear the uh, the '60s influence kind of pairing with the the contemporary approach. Thanks. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like um, I don't know how much you got into that into that record, but I definitely wanted um, the first song, "Stars." For me, that was like I really wanted that to be an ode to my old like my my dad's like yeah, '60s yeah. pop stuff, like the Beatles. I really wanted that sound so bad, and even you know it even almost is a little bit like here comes the sun like there's a little bit of this i took a little bit from it just maybe it's maybe it's subtle enough for someone doesn't notice it but i took it yeah, just, yeah. Just well there bit. are those those uh, sugary sweet harmonies too that really are uh, quite beatles-esque that's cool yeah and we tried like i have to say too about that record like it was such a fun experience to to record that and make that we recorded it here and we it was a an extremely international project like you know, I'm from New Orleans and I was the main dude. And then we had a bass player from the UK who went to uh, Lippa, like the Liverpool, like Paul McCartney's music oh. school there. Um, and then the keyboard player is from Madrid and she also sang a lot on the record. She's like my best friend. We had a drummer also from New Orleans who's who is like this unbelievable percussionist and, and drummer. Like I, I really can believe that we got him. And then somehow... Somehow on top of that, we had a German engineer and some Californian dude that I liked his music when I was in high school and just wrote him and was like, hey, if you're just touring around, would you want to, you know, maybe I could help pay for your ticket if wow. you want to come to Germany for wow. like a week. And, and awesome. he came, dude, and he he played like the coolest, the coolest guitar riffs on the whole record. There's like three songs where he shines so brightly and it was for me worth all of the money and the time and the stress and expense and holy cow like his um his um slide guitar on the song eye to eye yeah for me that's that's for me that's the my favorite song on the record and it's my favorite his 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 soloing is so melodic like i can actually hum the whole solo because it's just like a great melody Mm. and he just he just played it he just improvised it and he found most of it in that first take. And he's like, oh, let's do it again. I think I can get it. And then he just laid it down. And that's the that's way awesome. it I can't wait to listen. I have it here fired up on Spotify right now. Oh, I'm going to hear it after. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just because we mentioned this record, I did want to say that there was, like, I was thinking about Mac because I was thinking about this show today. And I don't, I'm going to ask you guys too, because you're both musicians, but I had this feeling when I did this song, 12 songs, uh, this record, 12 songs mm-hmm. for 12 friends. I was like, I want this very collaborative feeling. I want a lot of negotiation, a lot of like not compromising, but a lot of collaboration yeah. and like discussing where where things should go and kind of balancing. And that's why, at least in my opinion, I find that the only continuous through line in the entire thing is is my guitar playing and my singing. Like some songs like Count on Me is very country. Uh high school is very yeah. blues. Another song is very like the genres are really split up, and I feel like it made it really hard to to market, really hard to like get to a broader audience. It wasn't as modern as I was trying uh, to make it. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's why what I chose to do. Like I took inspiration a lot from Kevin Parker and from Mac for this new record. We have two singles out this year. We have a new album coming next year, and the two singles I put out this year, 
I just, I said, you know what? I think it was a great experience with 12 songs. The artists that I work with, I'm proud of them and I appreciate the experience. But like, can I actually do this mm. on my own? And so for this record, I went into the studio with my with my friend. He's this extremely talented engineer, very improvisational, very open-minded. He's, he knows when to say like, this isn't working and I always trust him. And um, we did this whole record. We actually recorded uh, 11 or 12 songs just me and him playing every single wow. instrument. And we trimmed it down to 10 tracks. And the only person who's on that record that isn't he or myself is this really talented girl in Munich who sings like layers and layers of harmonies because she just has the most perfect, yeah. perfect pitch voice wow. I've ever heard in my life. Um, so that's like the Crooked Rail and the I Wish I Hadn't Got Stoned. These are the two singles out. And for me, it's like, trying to do something just yeah. different like prove yeah. it to myself what'd you do you know? for like promo like what'd you do like in during this year of corona like would you for these for the singles i put out this year um i got a little bit lucky that after 12 songs came out i had kind of a i wouldn't <laughs> it's kind of it almost sounds pretentious to say you had a hiatus when yeah. no one knows who you are but <laughs> in 2019 i had kind of a small one because we i had broken up with my manager and my agent i i i, I didn't he was the same guy we had a huge fight and there was like a struggle for a few months to try and settle the contract. And finally that, that ended and I didn't have any concerts lined up. And I knew that what I wanted to do was record this new record and put all these emotions and, and concerns and everything into these songs. And there was a window there where I had the studio lined up. I had the, the demos recorded and I knew I was about to go in. And what I did for like a month was just go through every band that I have either played festivals with or made friends with or kind of knew, found their emails, found their contacts, whatever, and just asked all of them, like, hey, you know, do you have a recommendation for for a label, for, um, you know, a promotional company, for a distribution company, for publishing? Like, I'm starting back at, at, back mm -hmm. at zero, basically. Do you have any advice or some help? And through a few friends, I found this recommendation to a to a record label in Hamburg of all places. <laughs> and, uh, and then actually once they confirmed that they wanted to distribute the record, I actually found my, my new booking guy who was also oh, in Hamburg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so, you know, this year was pretty cool because it was the first year I had worked with a label to promote and distribute. So we negotiated like a budget and where we talked about where it would go. And, the lucky thing was, I guess I'd say, was their connection to uh, Spotify editorials, honestly. Yeah. The, um, the first single came out and got into, like, these, um, like, I don't know, it was like top indie hits, like Germany yeah. and Switzerland, which was, a, which was a great first release. I hadn't put anything out in over two years, and it was just a really nice feeling. And then this recent single got into, like, an indie, some indie... Spotify playlist, but it was really, it really helped with like getting the buzz going. It helped with the streams. I allocated a certain amount of money to the YouTube, um, like making my video like an ad, yeah. like using Google ads. And it's honestly not that expensive to get, you know, a, a, just a good bit extra exposure to your stuff. Of course, it's not, you know, where I would love it to be, but I think it's better than I thought it would be given that I'm starting totally fresh and this, yeah. these these two songs are just me and this girl singing and I was like, okay, like I don't have to rely on eight people's opinions to get mm. the best song. I can just do it how I like it and yeah. try my best. Well, that's you know? so super cool, man. Congrats. But do you get, with, with your guys' music, do you feel like, um, you know, do you feel like from the beginning that you could really only do it yourselves? Like, could you never imagine, like you say, okay, I know what this is going to sound like. I know what I want my bass and guitar to sound like. I know that how I want to sing it. Or did you, maybe like I did with the first record, think, you know what? I got a buddy who's got great ideas. I'm going to collaborate a bit. Like, do you feel more collaborative with your own stuff? I feel more, more individual. individual. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm definitely individual at this point. Um, I'll see if I can answer that question succinctly. But... Um, I have definitely tried stuff in a few different incarnations. The band I had in Kyoto called that was called Otarehan is essentially just uh, me and uh, my drummer, and my drummer would help with lyrics, and we do kind of conceptual stuff together too. But um, like I, I can 
work with a lot of other people musically like that is something i'm capable of doing and then the the uh, second album that i made under niagara moon that i did in seattle actually a lot of that i had a full band that i put together and gave people a lot of freedom in how they did their parts and got definitely a string of songs out of that that i think sound good and they did well um, and I'm, I'm glad they're out there. I'm not going to say like, oh, fans shouldn't take in those songs, but I felt like it got off track in terms of the vibe I needed to do, whatever you want to call it, the brand, the yeah. the persona. There was a certain style of music that was going to be like truest to wh- whatever I was artistically trying to do. And that was going to be me calling like anywhere between 75 to 100% of like the musical shots in any given song. And I kind of, so like more and more, and especially this year, of course, being in Corona times, like I'm embracing that and just kind of like focusing on the building your own new sonic world angle for a song. And, and just the mad, I'm trying, I'm taking on like the mad composer kind of uh, approach more and more. That's kind of where my journeys brought me. Yeah. Um, And then I'm probably only ever going to step out of that if I have, like uh, my partner Huimin singing harmony vocals, or if I need a drummer, I'll have a drummer come on, or the yeah. occasional guitarist. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm uh, I'm the mad scientist in, <laughs> in front of my many many softwares at this point. Yeah. Um, well, guys, I, I I can't stay too much longer. I just did want to say I did want to say um, to to both of you that yeah. I really appreciate you having me on the sh- on your show, and I really enjoyed this conversation a lot. It was like. Such a pleasure Seriously. to meet both of you. You're super friendly, and you seem seem like really, really great, uh, genuine guys. And it was so such a nice honor to actually dive into Mac Demarco because I haven't had the privilege of doing that in yeah. some. Dude, time. honestly, I'm super motivated to like learn about tape. Like, I want, <laughs> I want to like it has yeah, a power. Right? That is awesome, and thank you so much for coming on, Jordan. Yes, it's, thank uh, you. Jordan. It's exciting to get our our first guest on here for this format. Such a pleasure, man. Such a pleasure. Before I let you go, the one thing we we like to cap this off with uh, giving the album a rating, however arbitrary that may feel, and kind of your your final thoughts. So, one to a hundred, your your rating on on Salad Days and your kind of your your parting words. One one being I'll never listen again. One hundred being this is yeah. my favorite album of all time. <laughs> I give it a I give it a solid ninety. Cool. Ninety, maybe ninety one. That's that's good. Wow. How about you, Dan? Uh, I guess I'll give it like a, like an eighty three right now. I think I definitely prefer when he goes a little more widescreen and a little thematically deeper and uh, mm-hmm. more variety in the instrumentation with uh, something like this old dog. Um, but I appreciate like mm-hmm. the important place that Salad Days has in the Sky's career and and in the Max story. Um, it yeah. does. It's. It is very consolid. Very consolid. It's very solid and consistent. And uh, solid. A lot of these consolid. tunes. Yeah, that's my new word. That's my new term for this album. Consolid. It. It's consolid. Solid. And uh, <laughs> just a lot of really catchy tunes. And it came at a really important time for that in, in indie rock. You know, I can't call myself a Mac diehard because I do I do like uh, a little more variety in my music in general, not just staying in the same place the whole time. But I think this this one gets a uh, an eighty four from me, and I'm I'm, I'm real glad cool. we could talk about it Solid. today. It's a great pick. That's a yes. consolidating. Yeah. Consolid. <laughs> consolidating. Jordan, what's your Instagram? <laughs> what's your Instagram, Jordan? At uh, Jordan Prince. All right. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, if people want to check out Jordan Prince, where do you point them to? What's uh, which they get into? Um, yeah, like on Instagram at Jordan Prince or uh, my website is jordanprincetunes.com. All right, man. This is a blast. Sweet. Uh, I feel like I learned a lot and just got to uh, vibe out and talk some good music with some fun guys. And uh, thanks for coming on again. So nice to meet you, man. You you too, man. It's, I've got my music adrenaline pumping yeah. now. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus, this is great. Yeah. All right. Um, and if I could recommend one more thing for just at the very end here, this Talk House podcast is really excellent, and they just did an episode with uh, Jeff Tweedy and Nora Jones. Ooh, wow! And the only the only thing I would say that could be better is if they actually spent more time on Nora Jones. It it is an episode about Jeff Tweedy for Jeff Tweedy. He has this new book, but 
there it's a pleasure to listen to if you're a fan of Wilco or uh, Uncle Tupelo or yeah. you know whatever like it's 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 intuitive what's it called, a, what's it called? talk host talk house talk house like talking talk house talk house yeah and they have a lot of artists on there talking to each other they get like Dua Lipa on there they get Marika Hackman wow. um they they get a lot of really cool diverse artists on there talking to each other so it's worth a listen if you're a musician awesome, awesome. thanks for the for the recommend all right, folks, I got to have lunch. Now, come to think it, I'm, I'm getting very hungry. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Me too. Talk again soon. All right, guys. I'll talk to you, all right? All right. Peace out. Well, gosh, that was a grand old time. Thanks again so much to Jordan for coming on. That was very cool. We, uh, we definitely intend to have many more guests for episodes to come. In fact, we have a surprise one for next week, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Magnetic Field's 69 Love Songs. Ooh, that's going to be a lot of critical listening. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed it. Always feel free to uh, hit us up on Facebook, the Niagara Moon Facebook page, or thomas at niagaramoonmusic.com. Let us know your thoughts, comments, critiques. if you really want to go the extra mile, it'd be awesome to have a uh, iTunes review or, you know, positive rating. Uh, leave that on there. That helps bump us up through the algorithm. And I think that's about it. I hope you have a good rest of your week. Hope you're hanging in there. Uh, it's getting colder and colder, and the holidays are stressing me out a little bit, to be honest, because it's a lot of people out and about sort of close together sometimes. Uh, lastly, just going to give a shout out to my current holiday discount offer. Hey, you can shop online. That's a much safer environment. Um, if you go to the niagaramoonmusic.com slash store, use my discount code Rudy, R-U-D-I, named after my pup. Uh, that's going to get you 50% off any one order of uh, Niagara Moon merch. You know, you get yourself a mug, you get yourself a t-shirt, maybe a CD. It's going to be 50% off. Uh, discount code Rudy. All right. I'll be back next week. Have yourself a lovely weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs>